It's a special episode of Two Geeks and a Marketing Podcast, episode 97B, and it's all about AI and Dungeons and Dragons the movie. Well, good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon. It's Roger and Pascal from Two Geeks and a Marketing Podcast. This is a very quick and and quite improvised quick live session on a Friday. There's a couple of things, Pascal, that have happened over the last week that we talked about in the last episode of Two Geeks in the Marketing Podcast that we really felt we needed to jump on uh, and talk about again. And those two things are this whole business of artificial in- intelligence, probably ch- prompted by, hey, no pun intended, prompted by all this chat GTP hysteria that's mm. going on in the world. And of course, today is the worldwide premiere, apart from in France, of <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Amongst Thieves. So we thought we'd po- hop on and talk a little bit about AI and a little bit about D&D. Yeah, somehow we realized we've got a, a rant, and there's going to be a major rant, people warning about AI and arrive about D&D just using two letters, two acronyms. Um, and you're right, we have been essentially sharing our views about AI and the way which people have been presenting it. You may recall I was saying it's just headline-grabbing, attention-grabbing, it's a bit of a side circus to the real use cases of AI. But things have been accelerating to the point where you know, authorities and high-profile individuals recently released an open letter asking the industry to pose on AI development and progress. So shall we actually have a look very quickly at mm. that letter, Pascal? So I'm going to bring it up on the screen right now. And uh, I think you've pro- you've probably looked at this in a little bit more detail than hi- I have. So, do you want to just just talk us through the highlights? So, uh, I think what's important to understand is um, across all media, whether that's in the UK, France, and the US, there's been some report from uh, journalists, uh, advisors, and, and technicians that things have gone so fast, and that there is essentially no control, there's no boundaries to the evolution of AI-powered solution. And the two risks, really, Roger, one, criminal activities, people using AI to, AI solution to create more scams and, and essentially cheat and lie their way through. But also, importantly, a rush to yet another kind of magic wand, yet another civil bullet that we've seen over the, the evolution of the internet since the 90s and 2000s, whereby people are looking for the quick fix and using solutions which are imperfect, and more importantly, which is what these authorities are calling, they have not been planned for, they've not been managed, and they don't have essentially the, um, the sufficient care and resources to control the negative impact of the growth of the AI-powered solutions. Now, when I read this, Pascal, my initial thought is, so if I I scroll down, um, actually, it's not going to let me scroll down. This has been signed by the likes of Elon Musk and and others who you could argue are actually partly responsible for the <laughs> uh, the position that we're in now uh, and you think is maybe it's a little bit rich them uh, them coming up with a letter like this but it just makes me wonder it just makes me wonder i mean let's face it even if everybody in the world agreed to pause for 6 months on the development of ai we know full well that nobody actually would behind closed doors you know they could they could agree to it but there'll be some you know, sort of hidden cabal somewhere carrying on mm. some countries wouldn't sign up to it and they will carry on anyway so 
the chances of it happening seem to me to be pretty low. And I just wonder cynically whether somebody like Elon Musk is thinking, do you know what? I've really dropped the ball here. (laughs) My own company, my own technology isn't up to it. Um, We haven't developed to the same level as OpenAI has. So let's get the whole world to pause for six months so that I can get my boys to, you know, to get their act together so that we can catch up. Is is, the, is that uh, likely or or is this genuinely heartfelt that, that, that there is a problem and they, they genuinely do need to pause? Do you know, it, it sounds uh, and comes across quite quite strange where one individual amongst many is partly responsible for the chaos and these annoying adverts that we see now on social media, you and I, because we, you know, we do the research against AI, of course, because of the very, very poor targeting and algorithm. Now I see all the adverts of idiots pointing a different part of the screen telling me about the 10 AI solutions I should be using to make my life better. My frustration, Roger, is this is history repeating itself whereby um, kind of um, safeguarding, if you want to use the term, comes after the event. Mm-hmm. It happened mm-hmm. you know, in the 90s with uh, awful website designers charging a fortune for doing very, very poor work. It happened with email marketing and data protection. It's always after the event. And I was hopeful that on this occasion people would learn. I mean, if you look at this open letter, what they're asking for is is a break in the development so that you know the, the the architects of the solutions and government can come together to put together some robust AR governance systems and creating uh, institutions and authorities with bite. They won't be able to oversee and track the evolution of AI systems and almost essentially some form of vetting system, some, top, some form of a quality mark um, against the solution because the biggest risk that I see is twofold. Mention again, uh, someone be able to write um, scammy emails very fast and in large volume to essentially fool more people. And then you've got people who are going to go to market with some very bad AI solutions businesses and individuals won't know, won't be able to actually buy wisely because it's too complicated, and they're going to get conned by paying a monthly fee for something that is is utter rubbish. And what, the reason why it's rubbish, um, Roger, is because it's too recent. And then you've got the other thing as well, frankly. Um, people like OpenAI and many others are now charging you know, for chat GPT version 4 and more. Uh, this solution exists because it has learned from the content and from the early interaction that we've all been kind of party since the 90s and 2000s. So where's my share of the revenue, Roger? I mean, let's be <laughs> frank about it. You know, the only reason why chat GPT can write uh, things, you know, w- with some some prompts is because it has absorbed content that others have written. Listen, I'm not, you know, obviously a published author as you are, but, you know, here's the scenario. You have educated those platforms thanks to the books and all the podcasts and all the videos. Therefore, they have acquired vocabularies and they've acquired the way in which you structure sentences. Open AI is making money out of that. Where's your bit? That is a very good. That's a very good question, Pascal. And I hadn't really thought of that, but it does. It does also make you wonder. I, I've um, been reading quite a lot of things about uh, about this as well, and obviously there's a massive amount of hysteria from marketers at the moment rushing to effectively use ChatGTP in everything that they do. And I'm sitting there thinking, why do you want to? stifle your own creativity you know and come up with something which might be quite mediocre and i think you've made two very good points there the first is that everything that chat gtp is has been trained on 
more or less everything, has been created by a human being. And going forward, you know, if everybody starts to rely upon this sort of stuff to create new stuff, then, then uh, you know, eventually over a long period of time, the amount of stuff that's been created by real humans with real creativity will become a lower percentage. We need to keep adding our own creative stuff mm. to the overall content that's out there. Otherwise, it will genuinely become really mediocre and sort of the lowest bar possible. But the second thing that just occurred to me that you said there, imagine that ChatGTP scrapes a couple of paragraphs from my book. I'll just use my book as an example, but it could be anybody's mm. book. So somebody types in and says, find me an argument about um, uh, complicated language. And it uses my cat on the mat example in an article. Now, who is going to police whether that's plagiarism for the person who used chat GTP that then went away and grabbed a, a paragraph of my um, my book and worse, maybe altered the language slightly so that it doesn't quite quote it verbatim, but maybe just uses the same argument. You know, you could get yourself into all sorts of legal issues here if you didn't check what it was giving you back. It's just why you know things need to be posed, and and they've gone, they've gone. To, excuse me. Here's a scenario for you. And now, before we continue, this is a rant for sure. But listen, Roger and I love technology. You know, we have been publishing this podcast now for the better part of uh, three years. We've reviewed 400, you know, kind of uh, online solutions to make life easier so that, you know, you can spend more time being creative. People say artificial intelligence. I call it artificial imitation. That's what um, this is all about. So it's imitating a style, it's reacting to prompts and so on, but it's le learning from us. There are so many better examples as well to really promote the use of AI, you know, the, the healthcare, the, the ability for people to um, use AI to scan thousands of images to identify cancer much, much earlier, to allow people to, um, in this remote part of Africa, South America, and Asia, to question a virtual doctor before having to travel for miles. Um, scanning, using satellite images, the ground, so you can plan agriculture much better. The, the, the examples of good use is endless, and sadly the media is... Um, catching on, on on the wrong things. But it's always two sides of the coin. So on one hand, you've got AI that can identify essentially cancer much, much earlier. But on the other, you've got insurance companies going to say, well, we've used our AI you know, kind of solution and we will not insure you because of a, of a number of parameters. And that is exactly why this open letter is important. You know, they talk about this idea of stronger regulation. You've got to protect people for not just... I'm not... Um, in line with the job losses, because that's evolution. I'm talking about institutions, banks, uh, hospitals, government, using this very mediocre data set coming back at them because of the very mediocre way they're going to be using it to make decisions going to impact professional and social lives. Yeah, that, uh, these are all very good points. So do you think that the pause will actually happen? Because I don't. Uh, no, no, because it's it's uh, it's a bit like asking everybody who's working in a particular sector to behave ethically and honestly, and you're going to have 90% of people doing it, 
10% not doing it, that 10% is enough to create um, a bit of um, a bit of havoc. So for me, <clears throat> it's back to you know the, the final line of um, that letter. This idea of you know people have got to get together and create really this strong oversight. And an oversight that we've never had because we didn't have it on social media, we've not had it with SEO, with websites and so on. And I'm crossing myself, Roger, because I was naive enough to believe that this time we're going to get it right because, of course, we have to learn from from our mistakes. And I must insist on the reason why this open letter is important. And it is right for people like you and I to be a little frustrated because this has been going on. This has been kind of discussed since 2016. Yeah. Yeah. And and again, the thing is, um, we're obviously going live here on LinkedIn amongst other channels. Um, and because of the social circles that we operate in, you know, I, I connect with and follow quite a lot of marketers across the world. So we're always going to get the marketing perspective. And I think it's very important that you bring up things like healthcare and stuff like that. Uh, but marketers really have gone absolutely do lally bat shit about this, haven't they? <laughs> Honest to goodness, it's just unbelievable. On the one hand, it's almost like, let's get ChatGTP to do everything, and you know that it's going to create a, a level of mediocrity it, over and above the high levels of mediocrity we already have. <laughs> Let's face it, Pascal, somebody, um, I think it was Mark Schaefer, came up with the term content overload, didn't he? Mm. A couple of, maybe five years ago. And there is a lot of mediocre content out there. All the chat GTP is going to do is create even more mediocre content unless, as I said before, you then put your human creativity to turn that mediocrity into something brilliant. But the thing is, I just don't know whether A, anybody will do that. They will overlay their their own expertise and brilliance on top of it, they'll be just quite happy to churn out more and more faster and faster mediocrity. But maybe the creativity isn't there. And that's why people are so happy to sit back and get so excited about something like this that can churn out mediocrity faster. I know. And you and I essentially through the podcast and our own professional activities, I realize there's almost like a two two tier system. You've got individuals and sometimes I've got sympathy for someone who perhaps feel they don't have the skill set or the talent or, or the resources, but you've got individuals looking for the hack, for the trick, for the shortcut. Um you know, every time there's an activity, there must be an app for this, and of course there must be an AI for this. And where is the fulfillment? Where is the professional development in all of this? And and then on the other side, you've got people who understand, to begin with, your decision, even if you want to use a reliable AI-powered tool, that decision is informed by your strategy. It's informed by the audience you want to attract and whatever service you are you want to provide. And and it's a bit like, you know, some, when somebody does feels they have to do a presentation for an audience, and the first thing that they do is open PowerPoint or Canva. At, at a micro level, it's the same kind of um, strange, strange mindset of, uh, I need to attract some customers. I'm not going to give it any thought. I'm going to ju- jump straight into a platform like ChatGPT. I'm going to come up with some request or prompts as they are called and you know even if i can't come up with prompts there are people now offering you 
prompts either free of charge or as a chargeable service so it's in terms of your um your thought about creativity you now have people are going to be so passive in the way in which they're going to approach marketing selling and customer service it's quite unsettling and and, and i don't think you're not talking as two old gigs as opposed to old old um you know, gigs, I think generally it's going to create such a divide that the chasm between those two kind of um, practices is going to get wider and wider. And the biggest loser is going to be the customers and citizens for sure. Yeah. Okay, Pascal, let's um, move on and talk about a slightly happier subject. Perhaps. Yes. Let's talk about Dungeons and Dragons. Honor Amongst Thieves. Mm -hmm. And now you very, very, very kindly arranged for me to go and see an advanced screening of D&D Honor Amongst Thieves last Saturday. It is the world premiere today, which is the 31st of March, 2023. And as I said earlier, quite jokingly, it seems to be the world premiere in most of the world, except <laughs> not in France. Not where I live, yes. It's so <laughs> which, unfair. Which means that you aren't actually going to be able to see Dungeons & Dragons until, was it the 12th of April? Correct. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things that we said on Two Geeks in the Marketing podcast last week is we actually looked at the film marketing in two ways. Can Does this marketing campaign appeal to the Dungeons & Dragons player? And of course, you and I have played Dungeons and Dragons on and off for 40 odd years now. And secondly, does it appeal to the average man on the street who's never heard of Dungeons and Dragons, but just wants to go along and see a really good movie? And I guess from this, from that, that was the, looking at it from the marketing perspective. And I think that we agreed in the show that they'd achieved that, that the, yeah. uh, the, the trailer, that the advertising, that the, 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 um, the spots and the posters and the, and the, the, social media images all work both for, for both audiences. But I went into the film thinking, I want to see whether I can be entertained again, A, as somebody who knows about Dungeons and Dragons and B, as just somebody who has never heard of it. Now, I went along with my wife. You were kind enough to get us two tickets. And of course, my wife, Trisha, was playing the man on the street, the person on the street, no knowledge of D&D, doesn't really even know what it is. And I was the, the seasoned player. And let me just tell you, and to make it even worse for you to have to wait for another <laughs> another two weeks, I think they've absolutely and utterly pulled that off. I think you can watch this film with no knowledge of D&D. Yes, all the mentions of places like Baldur's Gate and Neverwinter will go completely above your head. But Baldur's Gate and Neverwinter may be Edinburgh versus Manchester. You know, they're just names of places for people who don't know. This film does appeal to both. Yeah. You can be entertained as an individual just going to see this film with no background, whereas me and you, obviously, when you get to see it, you will luxuriate. You will absolutely luxuriate in all the references. Uh, and, and it's just a, a rip-roaringly good film. I mean, I've watched those trailers so many times. I've listened to the music Wings of of Time as well. Uh, and what, what is interesting is throughout, therefore, this has been a truthful and honest marketing campaign because the result, as in you attending the um, the previous screening uh, in support of Medi Cinema, that, that it's not as if you know the campaign had over exaggerated maybe and over claimed what the movie would do and. Do you know what? It's rarer nowadays for a marketing campaign not to 
ever so slightly exaggerate uh, things. And, and I think what they did was to very quickly appease the uh, the gamers. And I think the breakthroughs we discussed during our marketing uh, review was the uh, premiere of South and Southwest. But then they also had to appeal for for the non-gamers because you wanted to avoid situation where perhaps you could have gone on your own because Twitch would say, no, it's not for me. I'm not going. Uh, and I think that the trailers very quickly said, this is for everyone and you're going to have a well of a time. And I would say it's been a while since there's been a good, good action comedy, would you say? Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, now I've been to see it, mm. and we did review the trailers last week, Pascal. I actually do think that maybe the trailers give a little bit too much away. Ah, okay. Um, they, the trailers maybe ruin a few gags for you because mm. you've, all, you've effectively seen some of the gags already. They're in the trailers. Having said that, it is consistently funny for two, yeah. and, a, two and a bit hours. Um, I have not been to see a film for a long time where the entire cinema audience were laughing. <laughs> That's right, yeah. You know, like like it was a comedy. I mean, I was there was a couple of occasions where I was giggling, you know, like a, a child, almost like rolling around on in my chair. It was that good. Um, there are some very very funny moments. Obviously, the special effects. Multi, mm. multi, multi-million dollar special effects, fantastic uh, scenery, um, and 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 the the acting's great as well. You've got the ensemble cast, you know the the way the characters react together. There's a, there's a there's a feel of Guardians of the Galaxy banter going on here. Mm. It works really well. Um, I, you in, know, in it, fact, it, if I'm not mistaken, Roger, sorry, if I'm not mistaken, one of the movie critics said. It's Lord of the Rings meets Guardians of the Galaxy yeah, to give yeah. people an appreciation of, uh, of of that. So, I mean, I, I just can't wait to go and see it. I actually sent a few messages to Paramount France saying, "Come on, <laughs> I can't <laughs> wait that long. Give me, give me a break." I, I just, I would, I want to own the Blu-ray because I think it's going to be some extra scenes. There's going to be so much going on. Do you think they're going to continue uh, as a, maybe a short franchise type thing? I. I think there is massive possibility for it. Um, they, unlike Marvel, um, who usually stick a mid-credits or end-credits yeah. teaser scene for a new movie, and they always sort of tease a sequel, there is a, there is actually a mid-credits scene in um, Dungeons & Dragons, so don't stand up and walk out as soon as I never do. start to I'm roll. the guy I stood to the end. And <laughs> just, just um, very upset. <laughs> but the, but the mid-credits scene is not giving anything away it's effectively just another another mm. joke which is good it's good i think that they could easily easily create another movie i would hope that they would carry on in the same vein that if they did do it they would re- they would put as much effort into into the feel into the script into the camaraderie as mm. they've done in the first one rather than effectively ruining it which is which is what they could do um so but yeah i I think it will be successful it's very good fun film and it appeals to everybody so i think a sequel is highly highly likely and what do you think about the marketing campaign and all the different elements you know once you've had the strategy of the audience and so on and you look at the key components I don't think they left uh, anything out. I mean, you know, from the PR to the to the reviews to the teaser posters. Uh, I think short, really, of having an official scenario for gamers to play that could introduce and be the prequel to, to the movie. 
But when we, we, we essentially had to leave a lot of things out during a marketing review because the research would just kept on coming. And, and in since, you now recorded the marketing review on the 24th of March. So there's been a week now of since then, and they've done more. There's been some incredible kind of joint promotion as well with, with brands and, and snacks and so on, which are just you know, immense fun. Uh, in one of the cinemas, I think it's the AMC uh, chain of cinema in America, you get your popcorn in essentially a massive D20 box, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> which mm-hmm. which you can keep with yourself, you know, and, and more so. They've done so well with the in-person, physical kind of uh, tangible experience as well as a virtual one as well. Yeah. So everybody who's watching this, let us know. Um, have you been to see? Well, you may, if, unless you went, went to an advanced screening, you probably won't have seen it yet. But it's released today across the world, apart from in France. Sorry, I have to keep uh, rubbing that in. Um, tell us what you think. Do you like Dungeons & Dragons? And do you like it from the perspective of being a Dungeons & Dragons fan or just a casual cinema goer who just fancied giving this fantasy movie a crack? Also, let us know what you think about this whole idea of pausing AI developments. Mm. Is it important? Are we effectively setting ourselves up for lots more mediocre content, lots of legal issues, and you know, some some quite criminal activity potentially in the future? And and is pausing the AI development realistic and necessary? So I think that's probably it, Pascal, from mm. us. We just wanted to have a quick update, quick chat about some important things. Any closing comments from you? No, I, I think for me, it's, um, you know, you and I and many, if not all of our viewers and listeners, we are part of the silent majority when it comes to business practices, and in our case, marketing and sales. And you and I and many others, and clearly this happening, we need to just get more vocal and, and be the voice of reason at a time when actually your customers and your family members and so on could be quite worried because one hand, the money in which the... the um, you know, the media is reporting about it, that's one hand. But clearly, if there is an open letter such as the one that you have identified and shared on Twitter a few days ago, then all of us need to stop for a moment, take stock, and then proceed with greater care and responsibility. Fantastic. Thank you so much for watching this, either as a live event or as the replay. And until the next episode of Two Geeks in a Marketing Podcast, do please go out there and make sure that your marketing was done right. I was Roger Edwards and he was Pascal Fintoni. (music) 